Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. to uh, just turn to God's Word in a minute, because that is such a perfect segue, Pat, because today we're going to talk about walking in the Spirit. And what is the byproduct of walking in the Spirit? It's the fruit of the Spirit, one of which is what? Peace. And let me uh, just offer you a word of encouragement. We are in a new season. We have come through a very hard and challenging and difficult time. But the Lord is turning the page. And and I want to feed your expectation here for just a second. You know, because God is um, doing things and it's my observation that he's accelerating things. So would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 16. I'm going to just roll through a lot this morning. And it's going to be kind of the wedding of an appetite because I kind of feel like I'm going to open a buffet line. And I'm going to get you in line and we're going to get started. But you're going to continue to eat and to dine you know, throughout the week on this. Because this morning we're going to unpack the phrase, walk in the Spirit, and what that means. And in Galatians 5, verse 16, Paul writes, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. My hope this morning is to kind of um, demystify this phrase, walk in the Spirit. Because I don't want you to see it as something that happens in the lives of somebody else, but I want you to see it as a part of your identity in Christ. Because the reality is this. When you put your faith in Christ, you are no longer of this world, but you are a spiritual person. It's the testimony of the Scriptures We are people who are born of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 3, 5, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's part of the conversation with Nicodemus when Jesus throws out this phrase, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, I don't really understand this because it's impossible for me to enter my mother's womb again. And Jesus is like, no, we are not talking about a physical birth, but we are talking about a spiritual birth. You know, one that is facilitated through faith and repentance and following. And we're told that that when we put our faith in Christ, that we are not only born of the Spirit, but we're called to live by the Spirit, and we're called to walk in the Spirit. That's found a little bit later in Galatians chapter 5, where Paul says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
So as a follower of Christ, you are called to abandon every other path and to place your feet, your life, on the path that is one that is following Him. And when you do that, the promise is this, you are made alive. In other words, you become fully who you were created to be. Outside of Christ, we are not alive. In Him, we have life. Colossians 2.13 And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made alive together with Him, forgiving you all trespasses. So this morning... You live, brothers and sisters, in a new reality. It is one in which you are called to walk in the Spirit. It's not a mystical thing. It's not a spooky thing. It's not an undefinable thing. But rather, it literally is meant to be as ordinary and as normal as living and breathing in life itself. Because that's exactly what the word walk means here, it's describing how a Christian lives. Paul says walk in the Spirit. The word walk literally means to tread with the feet. In other words, it just literally means to put one foot in front of the other and to be moving in a certain direction. And then it, it builds from there because it can also refer to walking in someone else's footsteps. So here's the picture. When we are outside of Christ, we are going in a direction, putting one foot in front of the other, but we are not going the right way. When we become alive because His Spirit lives within us and we are called to walk in the Spirit, we put one foot in front of the other and we don't walk aimlessly, but we put our feet in His footprints. We walk in the Spirit. And it just kind of creates this, this, this picture of a certain way of living, a habitual way of living that is reflective of a journey that is following Him and not going our own way. But here's a unique dynamic in relation to this walk. As first century philosophers tried to articulate it, there was a, a common phrase or saying that they used, and it was this. If a Greek wanted to know what you thought, they would simply ask you. But if a Jew wanted to know what you thought, they would follow you around for a week. In other words, our walk... And our talk are the same. In other words, when people follow us around, they should see that there is something different about the way that they are living. You know, that was the testimony of the first century church. You know, they had chosen a different path and they had lived it out. And believers in the early church were often slandered by their pagan neighbors. In fact, they were called atheists because they served no visible God. 
They were called unpatriotic because they did not burn incense before the image of the emperor. They were called immoral because they met in secret where it was assumed they were acting immorally. But in their testimony and their lives that were living with, without blame or fault, the statements of their accusers were found to be false. Because they weren't atheists, they were worshiping the one true God. They weren't worshiping the emperor because they served a new king who came to establish a new kingdom whose reign would never end. They were not immoral when they gathered because they did not gather in the same manner in which those who gathered in pagan temples did, but they gathered, gathered to love and to esteem and to build one another up through worship, through the word, and through songs, and through hymns, and through spiritual songs. They walked a different path, and they lived out the things they declared. And simply put, that is what walking in the Spirit looks like. It's a way of life. It's recognizing that the Holy Spirit transforms us by conforming us. To save some time, we can go ahead and put the Scriptures up there. I won't read them, but Ephesians 2.4 talks about a process of renewal. In other words, day by day, there's a renewal that happens. That as we walk in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit works in us, Second Corinthians 3.18 talks about not only the renewal, but the transformation that takes place. You might say that sounds familiar. Yeah, we looked at it last week as we talked about being filled. One of the ways that we are filled is we look into the mirror. We see Christ. We're inspired and encouraged and built up by Him. And when we need to be built up, we look into the mirror again. We continually look into the mirror. But here's what happens when we look in the mirror. We see Him in all of His glory. And the reflection of who He is reveals who He wants us to be. And we're transformed as the work of the Spirit conforms us to His image. And here's how he does it. God uses virtually every event and circumstance we face and every person we encounter to mold us and to shape us. But we need to cooperate with the work of his spirit. I think here's where a little bit of a disconnect takes place sometimes. God, I'm going to just sit back and wait for you to do it. When oftentimes God says, I'm going to come alongside of you and give, the, give you the strength to do it. And what does that look like? I'm going to give you three ways that we are called to walk in the Spirit. The first one is this. We allow the Spirit to affect our affections. 
Because that's a part of what He wants to change in our lives. He is very interested in what you love and what you give your life away to. And as we walk in the Spirit and He conforms us to His image, He changes what we love. See, we think of affection as a feeling, as an emotion, but it's not. Affection is more accurately uh, defined as a predetermined response. It's a choice that I make and how I'm going to respond to any given circumstance that may come my way. God has done it for you. He says, when you stray, I'm going to love you and call you back. Because it's a mark of His affection. See, we have been given affections that need to be growing in our lives and that need to become a part of our character and identity, and they're called the fruit of the Spirit. They're affections. They are predetermined. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, self-control. We determine to walk in those things before we need them. We allow Him to affect our affections. I want to give you a story that illustrates this. How many of you are familiar with the name Corey Ten Boone? Yeah. She spent time in a concentration camp during World War II. Then she wrote a book called uh, The Hiding Place. And I know many of you have, have read it. And in that book, she... Um, shares a moment when she had to allow the Lord to change her affections. And it came after a church service in Munich, after the war. She was invited to come in and to share. She preached. And then at the end of the service, she saw coming down the aisle towards her one of the SS guards that was in charge of the shower house, the bathhouse, in her concentration camp. And when she saw this individual, she recognized his face but did not know his name. And what began to fill her were the feelings of shame, the feelings of, of um, being, in her words, uh, mocked and ridiculed while she was being held captive. And as he comes closer, he extends his hand to her and says, thank you so much for the message. The message that day was on forgiveness. And she stood there in front of one that she needed to forgive. And she kind of describes it this way. I wanted to extend my hand to greet him, but I could not. So she prayed, Lord, help me to forgive him. And she still was immobilized by the emotion and the pain that she was feeling. And then she changed her prayer. She said, Jesus, 
I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And then in her, in her own words, she says this, as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this man that almost overwhelmed me. And so, I discovered that it is not our forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world needs. But it is His. And when He tells us to love our enemies, He gives along with the command the love itself. Her affections changed in that there was a divine work of the Spirit in that moment to respond in a way that she could not in the natural. And you know what? Corey Ten Boone is not the only person who ever finds herself in those moments. When you find yourself in those moments when the phone is ringing, they are standing in your face, somebody cuts you off on the road, there's a confrontation at the store, walking in the Spirit looks like the Lord affecting your affections. But then we need to also allow the Spirit to illuminate our intellect. See, the Spirit opens our eyes to the truth of God's Word. Hebrews 4.12 is a, a scripture that we quote here often because it reminds us that you know, God's Word is alive and active. It's powerful. It's sharp. It divides. It reveals truth from error. It motivates the heart. And it tests and it weighs the motives of the heart. And that is exactly what illumination looks like. It causes us to see what we did not see before. And walking in the Spirit is allowing the Spirit to illuminate our intellect so that we can come into a fuller knowledge and understanding of who He is and what He can do. And here is what the, that produces. It brings an end to the struggle. Because you see, when, when you hold on and place your confidence and your trust in your own intellect, you are not allowing yourself to be led by the Spirit. You're trusting in yourself. See, walking in the Spirit is not to be a struggle, but rather it is an exercise in yielding. In surrender. And I want to get very personal with you here for a second because, you know, I, I, I've, I've lived this out in many respects. Like as the Lord has done His work in me over the years, there are some things He's had to work out of me. You know, and, and one of those things is this. Um... I'm wired towards solutions. You know, I can lead and rally and inspire and um, 
articulate a plan to take the hill. And you know, God made me that way. And I'll be honest with you. You know, I've had moments in my walk with the Lord where I have wrestled with who I am. And I've been like, you know, Lord, I don't, I don't understand why you made me this way. Because it, it, it doesn't seem to work very well sometimes. And I've heard time and time again the Lord whisper back to me, you just be who I made you to be. But that doesn't mean that He's not at work in me. So as, as, as I'm wired for response and figuring out solutions and getting things done, the way that I now look at those moments is I don't, I don't um, look at them and say, this is what I am going to do. But rather, I turn to the Lord and I say, Lord, reveal to me Your solution. So that I can be Your person in the middle of the need. And here's what I've discovered. Oftentimes, my ways are not a whole lot like His ways. So allowing the Lord to illuminate our intellect so that we are taking action based upon the work and the speaking of the Spirit is something that changes us radically. And what brought me personally from point A to point B was just a clinging to God's Word. More than the voices of other people. Finally, we need to allow the Spirit to conform our conscience. See, walking in the Spirit will affect our affections, it will illuminate our intellect, but it will also conform our conscience. Ephesians uh, 5, 15-17, I won't take the moment to read it, but it, it talks about what that process looks like. And it begins with a phrase, be very careful. Be very careful. Because oftentimes our own will or our own conscience is, is one of the things that is the most difficult to conform to Him. I want to ask you a question. Is the Spirit in control of your choosing? So as He works to conform our conscience, our, is the Spirit in control of your choosing? Or are you following the path with no footsteps? What are you married to is the question I asked the 8 o'clock. 
you're not my will but yours be done is how the lord has taught us to pray and it and it really does communicate to us you know the necessity of having no others John 15 reminds us that he's the vine dresser. As he conforms our conscience, he prunes and he takes away, but he does it for fruitfulness and for fruit that remains with this reminder, apart from him, we can do nothing. It's the same for each and every one of us. And when we allow him to reshape our will, Here's what happens. We don't produce the fruit of our own best efforts, but we produce the fruit of the Spirit. Now I share all of that to get us to this point. Which is a bit of a warning. Why do we need to be mindful of where our affections are? Why do we need to be mindful of the things that we think about and having a mind that is being exposed to truth? Why is it important to think about our conscience and our will? It's because if you're not walking in the Spirit, you are moving towards corruption. Galatians 5.17, let's put that up on the screen. It's the next verse after our text, and it just shows us the struggle of daily temptation for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish if your life is pointed in the direction of corruption you should be concerned but if you are walking in the spirit you can know this Victory is always possible. Every believer has the indwelling power of God's Spirit to do battle. Let me give you a verse to memorize, and it'll be the last one before I, I read a closing statement. Romans 8.2 If you're in a struggle, competing affections, and on down the list, this is what the Bible teaches us, that the the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. When you are in Christ and you walk in accordance with his spirit, he will set you free from the law of sin and death. I'm going to read you a story in just a moment about a young African pastor, and I read it to you because it reflects the substance of a life that has been fully yielded, and of one who has spent and learned what it means to walk in the Spirit. I don't know the name of this young pastor. He was martyred in 1980. He was forced by Rwandan rebels to either denounce Christ or face death. 
And he refused to renounce Christ because his life had been transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. And the work of the Spirit within him had moved him to a place of total and complete surrender. And when they found his body, these words were written on sheets of paper that lied next to him. And as I read them, I want to invite you to stand. We've been seated. We're going to change positions. We're going to get the blood flowing again. I want you to hear these words. They'll be up on the screen. And I did that because I've read through this several times and it's moved me and stirred me every time. This young pastor in 1980, as he faced death for his faith, declared this. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped off the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Him. I won't look back. I won't let up. I won't slow down. I won't back away. I won't be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams and tamed vision. Mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plotting, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. Lean on His presence, walk by patience, live by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my call is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, turned back, lured away, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of my adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy or ponder at the pool of popularity, meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I have stared up, sorted up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go until He comes, give until I drop. And preach until all know and work until he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. When I came across that, and I thought about our affections, I thought about our intellect and where our minds are. I thought about our will and whether or not we have laid it down. I read that and I said to myself, I could craft no better words. 
Because it is obvious to me that that young pastor that gave his life had learned what it means to walk in the Spirit and to place his foot in the footsteps of Jesus that had gone before him. And this morning, I want you to think about walking in the Spirit in this way. It is a work that is done in me daily as I put one foot in front of the other. Thank you for joining us on our live stream today. Our hope is that you will discover life in Christ. If you have a prayer need, please take time to fill out a connection card from our website, or you may also send an email to prayer at rockchurch.net, and one of our pastors will follow up with you as soon as possible. For more information about our church, please visit our website at rockchurch.net. We hope to see you in person for one of our live services on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. God bless you today.